everybody welcome to the 322nd edition of the holy backward podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage here our uh clyde drexler podcast times 300 or plus 300 right now man <laughs> i'm uh right. we've been, been out here yeah oh yeah we, we've been out here for sure man 300 episodes 322 episodes and you know there was other podcasts that we did that we're not titled or not we're not numbered so we're probably like three 328 if you know like there was stupid stuff that i did when i got excited about the blazers our first year and just like you know just put that extra content in but we've, we've been doing this for a long time and um thank you to everybody for letting us have that week break last week your boy was very sick but is feeling uh quite well now and uh I'm excited about talking about this Blazers team, potential trades, and uh, all the other stuff regarding the Trailblazers. Uh, but how are you doing, man? It's been, uh, I guess, two full weeks since we've uh, last seen each other on these Zoom streets. It has, yeah. Just, you know, taking care of the, the newborn. You know, some days are better than others. I actually have a lot of energy today. So I was like, yeah, let's let's knock this one out. I'm skipping my afternoon nap to record this episode so you know we really go all in for our listeners because those naps, they, they come in handy when you're doing that shift change in the middle of the night and you either have that extra boost or you are just struggling to stay awake. So hopefully I will be uh, powering through, but I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity uh, to to chat with you, Sage. This is probably one of my favorite times of the year, you know, trade deadline season. I think in terms of NBA basketball, right? You have opening week, you have uh, probably the, the week leading up to the draft. Summer league is incredibly fun if you have a top rookie. And then you have the trade deadline. Obviously, if you have a playoff team and, and they're contender, the playoffs, but it's been a, a few and far between for our trailblazers. But trade deadline is something that I think the collective basketball community gets behind because we just want nothing but pure and utter chaos. Uh, it already kicked off while I was, you know, out and about with with the family. Uh, Dallas adds Kyrie Irving, giving up multiple picks. Uh, their best defender and Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, big guard and Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I, I don't think it's particularly going to work for for Dallas. I think they somehow got worse in the deal. Uh, if but, it if it uh, stops Luca from having to play forty minutes in competitive games, then that's helpful because Dorian Finney-Smith hasn't. He hasn't had a uh, good year in comparison to what he's had in the past. Like last year, he was like a very, very consistent, good player. And now it's like the shooting is like regressed to a point where it's like he might not be finishing game because he's so hit or miss from three. And then Spencer Dinwiddie, obviously, but like you're getting Kyrie Irving. If if, if it makes Luca's life easier, then, then I guess it's worth it. But if it doesn't and it becomes like a Anthony Simons, Damian Lillard type of thing where you – it's your turn, my turn on initiation. Like, because Luca's Luca has so much responsibility, but Luca demands that responsibility. I mean, do you so, really want the ball out of Luca's hands? No, I don't. Like, that, it should just be like uh, Trey Young and uh, Dejounte. Y'all don't play that much together, but you guys can have your turn as the, the as the superstar. 
Yeah, I just don't know. If you're a Mavericks fan and you're excited, I would just use history. And I, I know facts are something hard for, for Kyrie Irving to, to understand, but use history as a, a guideline. He left Cleveland unceremoniously. He left Boston unceremoniously. And now he left Brooklyn unceremoniously. I, I think there's one road this is going to lead to, and it's probably not going to end very well. So it just it's kind of a cluster of an organization. Dirk Nowitzki saved them in 2011 from from everything that they've done. They've, they've swung and missed so many times. I guess they thought this was their shot, but uh, I, I saw it on Twitter. Anytime a Western Conference team gets worse in a trade, I, I think you have to take it as as a Blazer fan. So and, I have a question. Would you rather your franchise take a shot? Or sit on the fence and just have everything fall down like, you know, we've kind of experienced. As a fan of a team, would you rather have your team take that shot or be fucking be be, be bummed out at the trade deadline because we didn't do shit? So I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. And if you want to look back in, in 2016 when the Blazers had that max salary spot, but it really wasn't a good year for max free agents, right? They, they went after Chandler Parsons. His agent said, hey, they're going to give you a, a physical. You, you can't take this deal. You got to go to Memphis. Okay, Parsons is off the, off, the, off, the, off the table. Okay, well, let's get Evan Turner. Hindsight says the Blazers would have actually been better not spending that money than tying themselves up with Evan Turner. So they would have actually been better just staying pat. You think Minnesota could go back in time? They, they, they would you know, say, can we get a take back on that Gobert trade? You have to, it has to be a calculated shot. You can't just say, oh, we're swinging for the fences and we're, and we're going for it. There's going for it and there's being responsible about it. I would even say the Lakers pretty much, that they got a COVID championship, but I don't know how many people are actually super stoked about that, especially Laker fans who have actually seen real championships in the past. Like they gave up a haul for Anthony Davis. Like I think what you're seeing now is you saw GMs of different franchises really swing for the fences and go big. And now you're kind of getting the ownership and management seeing the effects of what happened when those teams took those swings and really how much they're giving up for for decades of just competitiveness, of of flexibility. I mean, it, it took Brooklyn still hasn't gotten out of that hole from from that trade where they gave up all of that capital for old Kevin Garnett and an aging Paul Pierce. So if the alternate is do what Minnesota did for Rudy Gobert or Stan Pat, I'm standing Pat a million times out of a million times because you might get lucky in the draft lottery. You might just, you might be, I would just rather have some flexibility than have no flexibility and and just be worse off. Like, so in, in instance, I would rather sit on the fence. And that's probably an unpopular opinion around Portland because it has been 33 years since this team, 31 years since this team has made the finals. But you don't want to do something so knee jerk that you wake up at the morning after and you're like, shit, we just made a colossal the buyer's remorse. Type yeah, of you do not want to have buyer's remorse. This isn't like a sweatshirt that you can go back to H&M and say, hey, I actually want to, can I get my money back on this one? It's never been worn. No, it's all sales are final, no refunds. So I think if the Blazers are looking at a deal, it it has to be the right move, the right you have to say, is this player getting us to a championship? Because that that is the mentality it has to be. It has to be championship 
or bust. Not Western Conference Finals, not even making the NBA Finals. If you're going to mortgage the, the next five to 10 years of your franchise, you have to be certain that you're going to be one of the four teams that could win a championship. So does that player put you over the hump or do you have to make one? Do you have to make two additional moves? Do you have the assets to have those additional moves after you've went all in for player X? So there's a lot of ways to really divulge it to it. And I know a lot of Blazer fans are probably thinking, you know, Kevin Durant right now, like Kyrie Irving's out the door. What is, what is KD up to? Well, if you get Durant, are you able, do you think Dame Durant and Jeremy Grant is, is good enough to win it all with X, Y, Z pieces? If, if they feel that way, Yes, you go for it. If you have any ounce of doubt, you just you can't. It, it's it's not worth, you know, if some people think we're watching bad basketball now, I mean, my God, if you have to be like process sixers without the draft, you know, gold at the end of the rainbow, I mean, nobody's showing up to those games. So it's it's a very risky proposition that ownership and upper management has to really think about. Unfortunately, with the deadline is a is a runaway train, right? That clock is ticking and it, it it's only getting closer and closer and closer. So you have to make a quick decision on what you want to do. Um, what what are your thoughts? Would you go all in? Would would you stay pat, or does it have to be kind of that right deal for you? With how Neil O'Shea has uh put our team in such a deficit in picks it kind of makes me not even think that we can go and get that prime player because our godfather offer doesn't contend with OKC or New Orleans or Memphis or whatever team it may be. We just don't realistically have a chance at getting that that talent that just moves the needle so much. So it makes me think about like, I can't even be bothered to really think about it because it's just such a low it chance. With Chicago. What's, what's it starts that? with Chicago. It starts with Chicago. The first move is you have to call Chicago and say, we want to make this year's pick top one protected just in case, you know, you do luck into Wimbanyama and the next year is unprotected. That mm-hmm. way, then you could move, you know, 26, 28, et cetera. But at the same time, it's still not nearly enough because New Orleans has LA's picks to play with. And Milwaukee's Oklahoma City has the Clippers. So, like, even if we got our 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 pick back, which is humongously important for any any future trade, it's just like we don't really have the uh, the horses enabled to get them. So, my mind kind of goes with the like the you know the, <clears throat> the players like trading Josh Hart for player X, but not having the sky high uh trades in my mind just because we we're so pick depleted that even if we have our own that's awesome we can't really compete with you know memphis's godfather offer is just gonna kick our ass you know it depends if how brooklyn feels about shaden sharp i think he is and i wouldn't move move shaden I, personally. and then that then it goes to that that i don't i that who who we get back if we Trade shade and sharp has to be so specialized. You have to be so specialized on like because because I believe in shade and sharp's future and like his potential and like all of these other things. Like he can be so good. So if he was part of that deal, it's like you're going from 
the most specialized player imaginable. So it's just like, is that person on the block right now? Is he? Tr- is that? Is that one of one? You know, Ruby Hook and Top Shot available for sale right now? I I don't know. Is you know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I, for this trade deadline, I'm kind of just like, if we can improve the team, great. If other things have happened where we have to go the other way, great. I just would like to see options and you know decision making that is you know more layered than just shiny toy must have you know what i mean like uh daryl morey always wants that shiniest thing like he went from chris paul to russell westbrook we can't afford to do that at all we have to be super selective uh with what we do with our trade assets who do you think is on on the move this this deadline uh, i personally I think they're going to look to move Yusuf Nurkic. I don't know. If yeah, I, I think we both kind of decide with him. Like there was that whole thing about him not playing much. And, it, you know, you can always use like foul trouble as a reason why he didn't get playing time. But it we just before his injury, we would bench him for unspecified reasons. So it made me really think like, I love Yusuf Nurkic, but I don't think he's going to be on this team next year or in 10 days or it's just also like another frustration level for me with the franchise he was playing i think maybe not an all-time high but maybe a a second peak for him going up leading up to the deadline last year as an expiring contract and the blazers were basically unloading anyone and everyone and both you and i said if somebody wants to give you you know, first round pick, or you can get something of value because you are locking uh, a center, uh, a traditional big into a four year long term deal. Like, is this something that you want to do? And it's like the Blazers have buyer's remorse already. And I don't think it's 100% on Nurkic. I don't think he's being utilized correctly. Uh, I think we both have made our, our feelings known about that in terms of how the coaching staff is using him. But it's just like they they do this time and time again, like the same thing with Norman Powell. Like he clearly Mm -hmm. didn't fit yet. They felt like they didn't want to have to lose him for anything. So they signed him to a five year deal and then they they had to take back pennies on the dollar just to get off of that contract. So you're just seeing a franchise from the top to the bottom that doesn't have a clear vision of how they want to operate. And so now instead of selling Nurk high, you're going to probably have to attach someone like a Keon Johnson or a few second round picks, or if anything, um, to get off of that contract, if that's what you want to do. And I wouldn't move Nurk just to get off of his contract. I wait for him to get healthy. You've mm-hmm. seen over these past few games that the Blazers desperately lack his, his rebounding and his size. And yeah, I, I get it's great that Drew Eubanks plays with hustle and energy, but he's still a undersized backup center who is being overutilized due to, um, one, a coach's preference for him and the, the injuries uh, to Nurk. Like you mm-hmm. see the Blazers desperately need size. He's the biggest dude we have on the team. So I, I don't know who's on the market that they're going to get to replace Nurk. So I, I would just say to everyone wanting Nurk gone, like the grass isn't always greener. It, I feel like if we traded Yusuf, I just don't see how he replaces his level of production as a, in, as a big so if we traded Yusuf and got like 
like pieces and it only goes one way where we're tanking. Because if if Eubanks is a twenty, yeah, if he plays twenty six minutes a game, I honestly like. Out of Toronto, bullied the shit out of us. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking about like like, Drew Eubanks had no chance in that game. They beat the Wizards because they got incredibly hot from from three point land, and you saw against Chicago, the the Blazers couldn't get. get, Boost was doing everything you wanted, man. Like they're undersized at two to three positions almost at all times. Mm-hmm. And then he can't so, shoot, which also puts a huge like I, I remember I texted you one of those games this week where it was Josh Hart and Eubanks playing starters minutes with Damian Lillard on the court. And they could just before we got hot, Chris Tapps Porzingis was chilling playing the most disrespectful defense you can possibly play on Josh Hart. And <laughs> like that, you think that's going to change if Eubanks and Hart are playing huge minutes for us? Like it, it's tough. You, you're putting three dudes in the paint at all times. So like, I, I, I respect Eubanks for trying hard and playing at a level that like, but when games really matter, you don't think Vucevic is going to play just as hard as Eubanks? You don't think that Jokic or Carl Anthony Towns or Walker Kessler or shit Chet when he gets back aren't going to play just as hard and tough? Like, th- that's one of those reasons, that, that that's one of those issues I have, like, with guys that play 100%. When shit matters, every play is playing 100%. So you better have some skill attached to your 100%. And with our division... That's probably the toughest center division in, in in the league. You got Jokic, you got Cat, you got Rudy Gobert, Walker Kessler's just an absolute stud muffin. Like, man, there's a lot of big. So if Yusuf gets traded, I think we tank. If we don't get like Yaka Pertle back or something, the production. Yeah, I'm not of- opposed to trading Yusuf Nurkic. It's more of the frustration level at the timing that this franchise always likes to sell. They never sell high. They always sell when everyone knows we're in a desperate mode to unload players. The Clippers knew we were desperate to unload Covington and Powell and get under the tax. The Pelicans knew that CJ wanted to go there. Like, I mean, we just continuously tip our hand time and time again. And the whole league knows we're trying to move off of Yusuf Nurkic. So I get that Joe Cronin probably has at least a half of a hand tied behind his back dealing with Burt Cold and Jody Allen. And they're the ones, you know, really kind of dictating what he can and can't do but whoever is leaking this information to the media is is just doing a a horrible job because the blazers are just getting kind of just screwed uh, essentially like there is every opposing gm is like a shark and they smell the chum in the water surrounding uh the portland trailblazers but you mentioned josh hart and i think he's a player that absolutely needs to get off of this team. I know it might be an unpopular opinion and and I think that's fine. Like if we all agreed on everything, it would be a pretty boring uh, podcast, but I think Josh Hart has to, he has to be kind of like trade option. Number one Um, with the Blazers. So close to the luxury tax level and prioritizing Jeremy Grant, uh, his free agency status in in the summer, you have Josh Hart who probably is going to opt out and look for a, a larger deal. Um, you know, we've 
calculated the reasons why we don't love the fit this year with Josh Hart. Uh, one, I think, has been, you know, Shaden and Nasir. I think he's taking away minutes from those two players, and those two players weren't on the roster last year. Uh, you also have him, I think, playing out of position. Um, I think he needs to be a big two guard. And I got I've said that since he was acquired. It just feels a little bit like Norm Powell playing the three. Like when you already have Dame and Ant, like you're just not big enough in those one through three positions. And then frankly, his not only his reluctance to, to shoot the ball, but his lack of, of shot productivity has just completely fallen off a cliff this season. I, I think I saw somewhere that he's one for 15 in his last six or seven games. Mm-hmm. Um, from three point land, and he's he's getting wide open, wide looks. open he's shots. Not even looking to shoot the ball, he has a, a hesitation. I mean, he could eat a breakfast burrito and drink some orange juice and coffee before a defender is going to run out to him. But he he is passing up shots that I think puts his other teammates in a bad position because yeah, a lot of the times they generate working, this wide open. Wide you're working open. to get a wide yeah. open shot, and when the player doesn't shoot it, one. The shot clock's running down even further. Two, the chances of you getting an equally good shot in the possession diminish. And three, there's there's a chance for more things to go wrong. Uh, moving screen, uh, three seconds in the key. Like all of these things now kind of intensify the longer the shot clock dwindles down. So, you know, if you just watch him on offense and it's hard to miss because he wears those, those bright, you know, lime green Kobe's all the time, he does... It's just maddening that you look at the box score and you're like, okay, Dame, Aunt Jeremy playing 36 at 37 minutes. Like, you don't, like, I don't love it, but but you get it. And then you see Josh Hart right up there every time. And you just kind of scratch your head because you have Nasir Little, who is actually producing since coming back from injury. And then Shaden Sharp, who he has his games and he has his moments and he's still a 19-year-old rookie, but... Goddamn, you you need to develop that potential, and he's actually willing to shoot open threes. Um, so, I think Josh Hart absolutely has to get moved. I, I really don't care what they what they move him for because I think, and this is no disrespect to him as a person. This is as a basketball player. I think it will be addition by subtraction because he's holding back the other talented wings that we have, and we need to get them some some run. And if we can use him to get some size and and, and height. Or draft by all means, <laughs> or draft picks. Um, I mean, it's. I don't think I've had a one season turnaround on a player in recent memory than quicker than Josh Hart. I was really stoked to have <laughs> him how he produced, and he was looking like an absolute stud. And then he came in this year, and it's just like his whole mindset switched, and he's just super reluctant, like taking a back seat, and it's like. But he's taking such a drastic backseat that he's he's actively hurting the team when he's not shooting. Yeah, there's one thing to be a fifth option, but you shoot when you're ready, like a Bruce Bowen. Mm -hmm. But when you're a Ben Simmons into a Draymond to an extent where you are not. Is he he Ben Simmons in it for us? He looks like Ben Simmons. He's not like he is. He's scared to shoot the basketball. So like legitimately. He's on that that tier of like Dre or Ben Simmons. I think he would be all right shooting free throws, so at least he could finish games. But for whatever reason, on this Portland Trailblazers team, he just doesn't do anything. And except rebound, he rebounds. But if he doesn't have a good rebounding game, what is he doing for us that is, you know, a benefit? So I, I think that he's number one. At, well, 
I think he and Yusuf are one A, one B of number the players that they're gone. And then there's a there's a bunch of players after the, the those two are the most likely, but there's a there's a lot of like if context goes this way, we must do this. Like if if we don't think Jeremy Grant's going to stay, we have to get something for him. We are going to get plus value for him right now. If he leaves us because he doesn't see a, a pathway of competing, that's a lot of asset that just walked out the door and we didn't get dick for it. You also can't cave in to Jeremy Grant in his agent and say, oh God, we're, we're so worried that we're going to lose you for nothing. It's going to be just like you. Norman Powell. Yeah, you cannot sign a player for five years and give them 30 plus million dollars a season when you already have... Like Dame Hant and Jeremy Grant will damn near be making over a hundred million dollars. Like that, yeah, those three sixty percent like of our salary. Those three just are not good enough mm-hmm. to warrant taking up that much salary. Um, so you know the Blazers, they just they put themselves in this position uh, time time and time again. And I, I do I like Jeremy Grant, but I like him at a certain price point. And what is that price point? If we didn't have Anthony Simons, I'd be fine with him making Anthony Simons money. Yeah, but I think he's I think he's a borderline all star. Like he's probably like not quite, but he's he is has he go, where he Tobias like Harris start. Uh, yeah, money. He's a Tobias Harris, you know, type of type of player. But when you have Anthony, who really should be a sixth man, like Lou Williams, Jordan Clarkson type making paid like all-star money that just it throws everything for for a loop and and then damien's making his money so it's 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 you're putting a lot of money in these three players that it's kind of like they're hitting up a position like jeremy grant should be the three-hole hitter but he's the four-hole hitter type of thing I I can't wait for baseball. (laughs) Even though socks are gonna be fucking horrific. Um, but uh, yeah, like I, I think every one of these pl- players on our team is just up a position in the batting order, and it might not be. I don't know. Like, I, I I definitely see a way that Jeremy's off the team, and because we can't agree financially, and we get positive, you know, a positive return back. I mean, you. You obviously posted about Dame on Twitter today um, at DHAS22, and you you let your opinions be like it, Dame ain't. If the right package comes for Dame, we we probably have to take it, man. Yeah, Dame's been on a, a pretty incredible. He's heater on a right heater, yeah. and it's it's kind of strange because I feel like every January February he really kicks it up a notch. I remember him carrying the 2020 Blazers this time uh, three years ago. Um, but his last 15 games, he, he's been um, absolutely spectacular. You know, you're looking at 33.9 points per game, doing that on 52% shooting, 38% from three, and 95% from the foul line, seven games of 40-plus. I think he's got like a six, the most efficient 60 point performance of all time uh, scattered in there. Seven and a half assists, uh, two and a half turnovers, four boards, doing this in like 36 and a half minutes per game. But the problem, Sage, 
the Blazers are seven and eight in those 15 games, despite them playing the majority of those at home. And despite Damian arguably playing like the best player in, in, in the world right now. So you're still seven and eight, you're sub 500 with a player putting up those type of numbers. And that gives me a lot of pause when people say, let's, let's go all in because I just don't think we're good enough, bro. And I don't think the Blazers are willing to make the move to get the team better. And, mm-hmm. and that move to me is moving Anthony Simons. That that's your chip. You you need some size and you need some skill set diversity alongside Lillard. We we've seen the Blazers since 2015 when they put CJ McCollum in that starting spot. They, they there is a definitive ceiling with Dame and another scoring small shooting guard. And it's probably first round. You know, they did make it to the Western Conference Finals in 2019, but I think that's the outlier. Yeah, that's, not, likely... that's the exception to the rule, not the rule right there. Exactly. And I think if 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 you're able to move Anthony and get Pascal Siakam, yeah, absolutely. But I, I don't think you're so able do, to do, do that. So do you think Ant, what, where do you think Ant ranks in like trade value? Could he get us a star or is he like Keldon Johnson and Jakob Fertile level? Like what? What could he get us? I know, I know, this is a very tough question, but like, what what level of player do you think he could get us? Do you think we can get Pascal Siakam for him? No, I think it's all about beauty in the eye of the beholder, yeah. right? Like Minnesota, they they were fawning Rudy Gobert, so they ponied up. They were the only franchise that was probably willing mm. to go all in like that. Um, I don't know what Anthony can get you. Does Orlando have have interest in him? Yeah, because but... I was thinking about Orlando and like you got to also think about the coaching. Like I know that a lot of people are thinking about a Spurs package, but could you imagine Popovich wanting to coach Anthony Simons with his lack of defense? Have you noticed in uh, in this last two weeks of basketball that those star players like LeBron or um, Demar Derozan just try so hard to get that one-on-one matchup versus Dame or Anthony every possession and go to work. I couldn't imagine Popovich wanting someone with that much negatives on his defensive side. Like at his age, he wants a guy that he wants Devin Vassell to play defense, not Anthony Simons. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It just, it puts Portland in such a predicament. I think the Chicago game was, I think a prime example of that, you know, watching that game down the stretch, the Blazers go from up 17 to down 11 in the bat of an eye because they couldn't get stops without fouling or rebound. And then you had DeRozan and Levine hunting that mismatch, just shooting right over our smaller defenders or dumping into Vucevic, who, you know, he had great. no resistance because Nurkic wasn't um, available yeah, to play. And it was just despite Portland going ungodly hot uh, in that fourth quarter from, from downtown that they still couldn't make up that, that difference. And that's, that's kind of what I wanted to to ask you Sage is the, the Blazers um, up until that Chicago game had won five of their last six games, but are the Blazers hot right now or are the Blazers good? Because I would lean towards, I I think they're hot. I think, I think they they're, they're hot right now as well. I don't think they're playing a sustainable Damien going superhuman is not a sustainable way of making playing offense. Like it, it's just, like he's all he's awesome, but it's not sustainable. Like this is the most unsustainable way of winning games, having Damien 
turn into a you know turning into Goku and winning us this game. It's not. It's not. It, we're hot. Like, and I, I think we're always going to have a one hot quarter in in a regular game. We're probably going to have one hot quarter and then two n- neutral quarters and one awful. And then th- that one off quarter is probably going to be the difference between a win and a loss. So, you know, like if, if Dame doesn't absolutely destroy shit, we lose most of these games. So, yeah, and it, it's been a really friendly schedule for the Blazers this these past two months. They had that stretch of 10 of 11 at home mm. and they just didn't take advantage. You know, losing they had a losing record. They went five and six that um, they're still unable to really get into the thick of things out West. You know, I get it four through 12 is, you know, within one or two games, but that still means there's eight or nine teams that you're going to have to to pass and mm-hmm. jostle through. And when you're losing games to the Orlando magic, blowing a 25 point lead to the Lakers, like you can't give up those performances. You can't give up a 17 point lead on the road against Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like they're the margin without for La- error without Lamelo. Yeah, the margin for er- Lonzo. Shit, my le- like, yes. The margin for error with the way this team plays basketball is just so, so thin, and, and the schedule is really only going to pick up. But I, I do get it, right? You look at the West and you think, outside of a healthy Golden State, uh, Phoenix, and Clippers, any team is beatable. Mm-hmm. The thing is, Golden State just lost Steph Curry for quite a while, and they seem to be having a championship hangover. Uh, Phoenix has been dysfunctional all year, and Chris Paul is is really hitting that that he's really finally hitting that wall, that old man wall. <laughs> and then you've got the Clippers, who you know I don't know how many Paul George and Kawhi never seem to, to play together. So you know, can they be beat? So there's just and and they can use a point guard because Trey Mann's their point guard. They 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 absolutely need it need a need a point, and so every team out west has their warts and so when if i'm the blazers i i, I do have a kind of a, a, a you know a visions of grandeur where it's like yeah we, we can come out of this conference it's not as tough as it we we were all led to believe in the the preseason whether it's due to underperformance or injuries or or whatnot the problem is i think that they won't be willing to make those moves necessary to get them those players. And I, I just, I feel like, I just feel like they value Anthony more than the rest of the league. I feel like Absolutely. they value him. Like they valued CJ. Um, because if you could hypothetically have like Dame, Shaden, OG, Jeremy Grant and Nurk or whatever you get for Nurk uh, as a good big, that's a really good team coming out out west, and you've got size, you've got balance, and you've got defense, and you still got some some hitters off the bench. But I, I think they're just kind of hell bent on winning with with Dame and Anthony, and it doesn't matter how hot they are on offense. Like the, the Chicago game is just what's gonna. The Chicago game was a sneak peek of what could happen in the postseason when when you get matched mm-hmm. up against teams. They, they are going to hunt those matchups when you're deficient defensively more than one player coaches in the seven game series they're going to scheme up a lot of different methods to get that matchup that they want every time every freaking time and it's going to get you into foul trouble the game's going to extend and it's just going to be a parade to the free throw line and getting a stop will feel like a minor miracle 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is a path for Portland. I don't think they're willing to choose that road. I think it's for whatever reason, they're not wanting to do that because I, I think if you trade Shaden for OG and oh, you still have Dave, furious. Oh yes. I, I would as well. I, I think you're not, nothing will really change. Like there's nothing against Ant and there's nothing against Dame, but both of those two together don't work it it just it's not ever going to be a championship level contending backcourt and that's the type of move where i'm like i would not go all in i would also not go all in for pascal siakam where you're trading three picks and two swaps like durant is probably the level of player that you have to be able that you'd feel comfortable pushing everything in but durant's a top three top four player in the in the world and the other three players aren't available. And, and KD might not be as well. So I think the Blazers would be smart. You know, Jared Vanderbilt has, has been uh, referenced to Portland. And if it's like a Justice Winslow in a couple of seconds, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't think you trade in this here little for a Vanderbilt. I think oh, that's I'd be just, upset about that one. I, I think that's just a lateral move. Like you have to find teams that are willing to dance. Do you think it's a lateral move? I think it's a downgrade. Okay, I was trying to be friendly, but yes. Because Vando um, can't shoot and he can't keep his fucking hands to himself. So he's going to be like at a 20 minute a game player. Nasir's going to play more than that and actually be at, in my per, in my biased head. Vando is just another version of Josh Hart. So it's a downgrade in my mind if if, if, if Nasir was on that thing. But if, it, if it's just as Winslow, like you, I, I don't value him very much. So you get somebody who, you know. I may or may not value that highly, but I value for something that I don't value at all. Are there any players that you have must keeps at the deadline? Like you just you, you uh, shaded in uh, in this year. Though uh, those two for me as well. I also would include Trendon. I know you're not his biggest. No, no, fan. I yeah. Th- that's, I was, that's the difference between you and me, though. Yeah, I, I I liked. I still think he has a lot of upside as a playmaker. We've not had that in the big position since Batum. Um, and he's on, he's on such a value contract. Yeah, it's, that... it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal to me because of his value contract. But like, if he was like on a $8 million contract, I would be very, very adamant about trading. Yeah. But he's, he's got, he's got a good deal. And I just, I, I thought he had, and, and if he's able to hit the open three, that's going to open up the floor for him. I just because... don't believe that as a, like, I just don't think that I'll ever hit anything other than like 15 feet wide open. And I just like, I think he can hit Josh Hart threes, but I, I just don't know if he's ever going to get that wide open consistently. <laughs> Cause that, that the disrespect is just insane. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and look at the upcoming slate of games uh, missing last week. We got in a couple of predictions for the games that we didn't cover. So right now we're, we're tied. We're 30 okay. and 21. Uh, we have uh, three games on the docket all at home. Uh, the Bucks Monday, the Warriors Wednesday and the Thunder Friday. Let's kick it off with Milwaukee, who I think has the best player in the world. And Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh. Uh, I think they're one of the top two teams uh, out east. And uh, a team that I think it's been since that 18-19 season that the Blazers have actually beat the Bucks at, at home. It's just a, a bugaboo team, almost like Toronto has been. 
uh, their length, their size, just is their switchability. Well, yeah, do you think Brooke Lopez is going to have a huge game if Yusuf isn't there? I mean, Giannis obviously because of like no help defense whatsoever. Yeah, I, I but guess, I, I'm kind of thinking about Brooke Lopez. Like, do you trust you Drew Eubanks to be out on the three? Like defending he's the three, he's going to have to. But they're, the guards are going to have to get him and rebound the basketball. I, I feel like it's it's also really tough because you just come back from a three game road trip and, and Milwaukee is waiting for you, right? Yeah, like, chill, so yeah. maybe that's a good sign. And the Blazers will be ready to play, but even if I think Chris Middleton is still is Chris Middleton yeah, hurt? Chris, Chris, I have dog. I haven't played. I haven't paid attention in a week, but he was like questionable a week ago, so he might play. But it's going to be limited minutes, and like you know, uh, you know when Drew and or Giannis is on the court as well. Yeah, I just I think Milwaukee, as long as they have Giannis, they're going to be uh, incredibly difficult. Uh, to be so, I've got the Bucks winning this one. Absolutely, absolutely. I also like. I I can see Bobby Portis doing well. I could see Brooke Lopez doing well. Like any big that is on this team, and obviously honest, I think is going to have a monster game just because of Eubanks's. Like he's very undisciplined with his jumps, so he 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 he's he's going to be jumping at, at at air a lot. And then he's going to get in foul trouble from Giannis or or Brooke. So I I think that if you're if you're a a gambler or something, you want to bet on those bit the Milwaukee bigs. I don't even think we'll. Is there a chance that we play Dame in the fourth quarter against this team? Or do you think we we're we're gonna pull our starters because the Bucks are too good? I think it could be a Chicago scenario where it's maybe a 10 or 11 point game and the Blazers maybe get hot, but they just don't get the stops they need down the stretch. Um, But I think moving towards a more winnable game would be the Golden State Warriors who have been um, horrific on the road this season. They are just seven and 20. Uh, They have the outside of San Antonio and Houston. They have the fewest road wins in the entire Western Conference actually throw Detroit. Scrap that. They have the fewest road wins in the entire NBA outside of San Antonio and Houston. Uh, Steph Curry so is out. Pistons without Cade is yeah. better. <laughs> they have they, they each have seven road wins. The the, the friggin' Pistons. Um, Golden State's handed Portland their lunch twice in the Bay Area this season. They did so once without Steph Curry. Um, for whatever reason, the Warriors have not been able to come together and find that that magic and i don't think they will this year uh, and i think that the steph curry injury is probably the icing on that cake um i think golden state is is in danger of not even making the playoffs if steph misses a significant time but we have seen the blazers drop these type of games they they blew a big lead to the clippers without paul george and Kawhi leonard again that they lost to the magic and they blew a 25 point halftime lead to the los angeles lakers of all teams so the blazers are not above losing to teams that they should beat. However, knowing it is the Warriors, I think the crowd's going to be lively. Um, they're they're right there in the standings. So if if this team really does want to make a playoff push, which I don't think effort has really been in question so far this year, uh, I, I think they get it done. I think the key will be just to, when I'm, I'm not watching for a win or a loss, can the Blazers play a complete game and just give you a little bit more faith in this team? Because even when they beat a team like Atlanta without Trey Young, 
they let those Hawks stay in that game entirely too long. Uh, that that should have been signed, sealed, delivered, you know, early third quarter. It's got to be that same way with the Blazers. I, I think I want to see them really attack Jordan Poole defensively, make it so he doesn't have so much gas to use on the offensive end of the floor. And then it, it's really going to be, I'm going to watch for the starts. Because even when they beat uh, Memphis and Washington, I mean, they were down, what, 15 to 4, 18 to 4. They always have one bad quarter. Yeah, and then they were down 20 to to start the the game against the Wizards. Like, Mm -hmm. doing that once or twice a season is really fun. Like, such a fun comeback. Doing it every other week is just... It has to be exhausting. Exhausting. Like, they're not even at the All-Star break yet. And just... So, I, I, I think the Blazers win. But those are the things I'm going to look for. Can they play a complete game? Can someone other than Dame really start to come into their own? And can that starting unit just figure it out? Can, can they get off to good starts? Are, and I think that's it's on the players. But it, like at a certain point, the coaching staff, it's their responsibility. You know, they're, they're, they're quote unquote the managers. So it's on, it's their responsibility to get their their uh, players out there and motivated whether that's a, a lineup change or something schematically or, or motivational or wh- whatever but the the starts have to improve um who do you have winning this game sage i have the blazers winning um the the play and dr- uh play is really what scares me like if he can he ha- he's shown the ability to score mm. at a very high clip this year so we like of course, Jordan Poole and Draymond are going to be pretty important to defend, but we can't let him have wide open corner threes or wide open threes. Um, I would much rather have Dante DiVincenzo try and beat us instead of Clay Thompson or, you know, Anthony Lamb versus Clay Thompson or, you know, uh, whoever it may be. Like Clay Thompson's the one guy that absolutely could bury us. So d- defend those, defend the players that you know and, you know, let's try and let Anthony Lamb try and try and beat us. I think this changes now that Steph's hurt and the Warriors might be taking a different outlook on this season. But prior to Steph's injury, if the Warriors were looking for a more win now piece, is there any interest in their depreciated young assets? Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody uh, feels like their value is an all time low. Do you, do you see them ever reaching that peak or would it be more just trading for a lottery pick for trading for a lottery pick's sake? I feel like Moody could be good, but he has to have a different mindset. Kuminga hasn't had one. He's had like two good quarters this year. Um, I, I, Who's their center again? I forgot his name. James Wiseman. I, I've never believed in James Wiseman. But I, I mean, I like Ryan Rollins, um, but no, I, I don't know. Like, I know that they might be interested in Gary Payton, but I don't know if Ryan Rollins... Moses Moody and Dante DiVincenzo is enough for me, really. Do you do you do you believe in any of those guys? If I could take a flyer on one, it'd be Kaminga. I, I totally get it. It's just I got burned by Kuminga so goddamn much this year in DFS that it makes me be like, oh yeah, I, I'm not paying 2021 prices on on Kuminga. <laughs> yeah, it like. Would be- because, because you know, the, the the Warriors have shown the ability to just not give a fuck about the regular season whatsoever and play Jordan Poole, Dante DiVincenzo, Anthony Lamb, you know, and, and the rest of those guys, major minutes. And it's just like every time that 
Kuminga's in a spot where he should dominate. He absolutely doesn't and sucks. And then I I, I, I like Moses Moody in college, but it's just like he hasn't had the the runway that Moses or that that uh the other uh young guns have had with the Warriors. But I don't know. Like I I don't really trust it. Like I think they fucked up in the the those drafts. And I think the rest of the NBA should be very thankful for that because it could seems you imagine like the war- Tyrese Halliburton instead of uh, Wiseman or Lamelo Ball instead of Wiseman? That would be insanity. And I think Kuminga got took before Franz Wagner as well. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I get it. I Kuminga has everything that you possibly could want from a wing. He just hasn't put it together, and it hasn't looked. It just doesn't look good. So I, I wouldn't do it. The last game on the docket is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, it'll be the first time the teams are matched up in Portland, uh, a team that is chasing the Blazers right now. Uh, Portland dropped two straight mm-hmm. December 19th and December 20th uh, in Oklahoma City back-to-backs where they just both looked really awful down the stretch of games, uh, really relied too much on the quick three, didn't run any offense, and, and then they had the whole Dame making history thing too. Dame making history, but then you know Shea Gill just hitting hitting that game winning bucket that first game, and the Blazers just not coming out yeah. with enough intensity. I think in execution that second performance. Did you blame Chauncey or Anthony on that uh, out of bounds pass? Or you were probably in I was the process the hospital of for, for other. Um, yeah, yeah. I just realized I was like, but. If I was a coach, I wouldn't put Dame and Ant next to each other on an inbound. Too many. I mean, the Blazers have been so horrible after timeouts that it's hard not to put the blame on the head coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think the key to this game is would the the draft or not the draft, but would the trade deadline happen before or after this game? Oh, that is a really good call. I believe it would be after. Yes, uh, the, the Golden State game is before the Oklahoma City game is after. Okay, because dog, if it's Eubanks versus Jalen Williams, J A Y Lynn Williams, it could be one. Yeah, of they got to find a new nickname for both of those players because it like sucks because some you of can't have, you can't say one's J Dub. I don't the J Jason just Arkansas Jalen. Yeah, so for those that don't know. Yeah, the, uh, the the Thunder drafted two players named Jalen Williams. This this uh, draft, one from Santa Clara, J A L E N Williams, and then one from Arkansas, J A Y L I N. So, and there have been games where they both started and played real minutes, and saying Jalen Williams, Jalen Williams, Jalen Williams is very confusing. Yeah, someone's got to go by their, their middle initial. We got to get a Michael B. Jordan uh, situation. <laughs> Up in here. Um, I think the key for me here is not letting Shea Gilgis kind of dictate the tempo and find his spots on the court. He was very precise and He's really awesome. led Oklahoma City in both of those performances. Um, clearly an all-star caliber player. I think he's destined to be a first-team All-NBA uh, in the very near future. Big guard, uh, super high on him. I'm glad he's actually able to play in the OKC Thunder. Haven't begun their tank quite yet. And he's he's actually able to show what he can do because he's ultra talented. But uh, I think the Blazers need to really make every possession with him on the floor just kind of like uncomfortable for him, whether mm-hmm. that's just throwing him different looks, 
getting a little physical with him, um, targeting him on defense, sending him through screens. Like you have to kind of tire these, these star players out. So they just don't have all of this energy just to do whatever they want on the offensive end of the floor. Is there anyone else on OKC that the Blazer fans should be on high alert with? Oh, Giddy for sure. I mean, he, he he's finally playing like the 30 to 32 minute uh, rotations now. And he's one of the best passers in the league. He really sets players up for success. Uh, Lou Dort always is going to be an issue. And then Jalen Williams from Santa Clara has played as their power forward this year. So he definitely is a very good pick and roll player who can put who can set other players up and obviously score out of that. Um, but those are the four that you really have to worry about. If if you know, like Trey Mann's in, then you know, he's a very good point guard as well. But it's really those four that you really have to worry about with Oklahoma City Thunder. But Shea's obviously number one with a bullet. I got the Blazers win. What about you? That's a, it's a, I feel like it's going to be a very tough game. Like, it's a coin flip game for me because of how, like, Oklahoma City's not going to quit and they're tough and they play t- hard. So it's in, it's in Portland, right? So, hmm. I'm going to go Blazers, but I'm very, very, very nervous about this game because. Shea, Shea could win this shit by himself. Like, I don't think we have a person that can guard him, really. And do you think GP's getting traded? Like, Dude, I don't know what's up with him. I, I was thinking about that today. The Blazers spend their their big Emily acquisition yeah. kind of slot, that mid-level exception, on GP2. They had to have known he was going to need some form of surgery. Like, it put them in a tough position with a salary cap. As good of a defender as he is, it still is another undersized guard, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Like, had we all known, like, this scenario would have played out, I think we all would have went in a different direction with that signing because we were were all excited about it. But that was anticipating he's going to play 24 minutes a night and not miss the first, you know, 40 games of the season. Uh, However, just playing so few minutes in 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 out of the lineup like different things here and there it's it's a strange situation i can't quite put my finger on it i'd heard the warriors were interested in bringing him back again that was pre steph curry injury and i think that probably changes a whole lot for, oh, for that golden state why, why would you bring gp back if steph's legitimately hurt for a while yeah i i don't know what's going on there but if if he's only able to play 12 or 13 minutes a night, you need to move him. $9 million for a 12-minute player, it just doesn't make financial sense to me. Yeah, but then who wants it? Who wants it? I don't know. Yeah. I, if I... It, it makes me sad because Bruce Brown did, is doing so well, and it was between him and Bruce, and we picked Gary, which, you know. But we could have had such a... Like we could have had this GP experience from day one if we took Bruce Brown over him. So it may it, that, that's a bummer. But uh, do you have any more trade stuff, or are we wrapping this bad boy up? I got to go take care of Adrian. Absolutely. So if you heard of uh, any uh, crying in the background, uh, he does not like to be changed. Uh, so apologies for <laughs> that. But we will be back. We will carve out some time if the Blazers make some moves and give our uh, initial reactions to those deals. Uh, hopefully it's a, a fun and exciting trade deadline, you know, cozy up. 
uh, get those notifications uh, on your on your phone. So everyone is it, is it just Woj and Shams, or do you do? No, I got Haynes, Woj, and Shams. Those are my big three. Um, but yeah, that's it. Um, say th- thank you to all of our listeners. Um, say let us let let us know where they can find us and send this one on home. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, everywhere where you get your podcasts. We're there. And uh, leave us a five-star good review. Uh, it really helps the iTunes algorithm or wherever you uh, listen. But iTunes is really where we're we're focusing on uh, uh, on people commenting and leaving that good review. We will be back soon. Peace out. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.